Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, anybody enjoying the series? Can you hear me now? Pretty good series. Pastor Mark and Abby are in Republic today. Um, they are bringing the, he's bringing the word over there, and so it's kind of a Marshfield takeover of Destiny Church. Come on, we are excited. I told him this morning, I said, hey, go hard after Jesus and show them how we roll in Marshfield, because we go hard. But we're in a series, if this is your first time with us, or if you haven't been here in a while, we're in a series called Can You Hear Me Now? And the idea and the drive behind this series is for us to come around and understand that God, our Father, wants to hear from us. God, our Father, wants to know us, and we need to know Him in order to follow Him. And this relationship that He wants us to enter into, He has invited us into. It's a, it's a privilege. We get to walk with God. We get to know God. We get to understand some of His ways and the things that He does. And it's not to live a morally superior life. It's not to have all the answers out on paper so that we can give the answer back to somebody else when they ask us. It's not just to get into heaven, punch your ticket, and, hey, I'm good. We know God to make him known. You and I have the privilege of knowing God to go out and make him known, and that is the greatest call on our lives. Our key scripture for this series is found in John 10, verse 27. It's Jesus speaking, and he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Jesus, the shepherd, the caretaker of all believers, says, My sheep know me. Like, they understand. They hear me. They know my tone. They know when I'm talking to them. And they follow me. We've all had that parent where you're on one side of Walmart, and they're on the other. They're looking at whatever they're looking at, and you're throwing those balls across the, like, what is going on? I'm just throwing Nerf balls. I never did that, Mom. <laughs> Confessions, hashtag. But they yell, or they say out, or they're saying, Josh, hey, it's time for dinner. Hey, need you to come home. Like, I know my mom's voice. I know my dad's voice. Jesus is the same way. Believers know his voice. They understand and they respond. And in week one, we talked about the gentle whisper of God, how God is continuously speaking into us and through us so that we can follow him, that we can do his will. And last week, we talked about God's word and how God's word wants to accomplish things in us. It gives us guidance. It gives us direction. It gives us wisdom. It tells us who we are. Like God's word gives us our identity. It tells us we are Christ's. We belong to him. We were bought with a price. It tells us how to take our emotions, these God-given things, and glorify him with them instead of losing our cool over the people around us. Hey, anger is fine as long as it's focused. You can get mad. Just make sure you're spewing it the right way. God's word leads to a path of salvation. And this week, I'm going to ask and hopefully answer the question, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do when I can't discern your voice from my own? 
what do I do when I'm not sure what the next step to take is? What do I do when I'm uncertain of where to go or who to be? What do I do? God, what do I do? And I think as believers, every single one of us who have received the grace of Christ can say at some point or another in our lives, we've said, God, what do, what do I do? What do I do with this kid? They're not listening to me. They're choosing the wrong thing. What do I do with this spouse, this husband, this wife? I don't, what do I do? Where do I go from here? What do I do with this boss who's just coming down on me and wanting me to do things that don't agree with what I stand for? What do I do? What do I do with a coworker? It's constantly dragging me down. What do I do? Am I reading too much into it? Am I projecting what I want into the situation? And honestly, I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple to discern God's voice when we stop and we consider who he is. Because God is less concerned with what you do and more concerned with who you are and who you are becoming. God is less concerned with what you do than who you are and who you are becoming. So you can go be a plumber, you can go be a cake maker, a baker, candlestick, what's that, nursery rhyme, whatever. You can be any of those. But who are you going to glorify when you're doing that? You go, you can, you can be called into the ministry. You can be called to be a pastor, missionary, whatever. But I know pastors who aren't glorifying God near as much as some construction workers I know. God is not concerned with what you do as much as he is concerned with who you are becoming and who you are becoming in the process of pursuing your calling. Our call is to know God and to make him known and our character will reflect the heart of who we are becoming. Jesus to the world or ourself. I want to launch into this message by drawing our attention to who we think God is. Who do you think God is? Everybody right now is thinking, well, I think he's this way, and I think he's that, and I think he's this thing. And A.W. Tozer, brilliant man, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind and my mind when I think about God, when you think about God, is the most important thing about you. To put it on a personal level, what you thought about just now, that word, that descriptor that came to mind is the most important thing about you. Why? Because you are constantly, we are constantly pursuing our image of who we think God is. And you don't have to be a believer for that to be true. You can be sitting here going, I don't even believe in God. Well, guess what? You've made other gods in your life that you are pursuing and you're conforming to. We always move towards our image of God, and the image we pursue is the filter we will use to discern his voice. We will discern his call, his will, and his purpose through what we think about God. So when we wrestle with a question like, God, what do I do? The first thing we have to come under is, well, who is God? Who is this creator, this being? What comes to mind when you think about God? And maybe you're here and your view of God is that he's distant, 
He's far away. He's impersonal. He doesn't connect with you. Or maybe you see him as angry and wrathful and he's just full of vengeance. Maybe you swing the other direction and God's just lovey-dovey and he's like grandpa and he's just full of sprinkles and just hugs all the time and his pockets are full of candy and you love going to see him because he gives you $5 every once in a while. But he's not really relevant. And he's not really speaking anything into your life. Maybe you see him as a Santa figure. He's just checking lists, and so you're trying to perform into his good grace. You only think about him once or twice a year when you need something, when you want something, and so you go to him and, dear God, I I hope you see what I've done for you. I hope you see I've been a good little boy, and I'd really like this thing. I'd really like for you to come through on this. And suddenly your behavior becomes a bargaining chip for the thing that you most desire. God, look what I did. Uh, Look how good I was. Was it good enough to get this thing? Or maybe God and the idea of God is nothing but a disappointment. You can't quite get around this title of calling him Father. Because the only Father you've ever known has been nothing but a disappointment to you. He was manipulative. He was abusive. He walked out on us. He left us alone. We're fending for ourselves. He was a giant letdown. He was a selfish, greedy. I don't want anything to do with that man. I would never follow that man. And that's your view of God as a father. Someone you'd never want to be like. You'd never want to follow. He's never been around. There's no relationship. There's no feeling toward him whatsoever. And this is why what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because we all have a basic understanding of who God is. And if who we think he is and who he actually is are two different things, they don't align, it's no wonder we walk around confused and questioning and wondering And just discouraged that we don't hear from God. Listen, you and I were created by God and for God to know God and to make him known. That is the greatest call on yours in my life. To know God and to make him known. To know that he loves you and to tell other people that they are loved. But we find ourselves confused because we don't know him. We're not filtering through the things that he has given us to know him better. Each one of us have a pull in our lives that's pulling us towards the God we know or the God we believe in. Where is your heart pulling you this morning? And how do you expect to understand this God who created you when you're not spending time asking him questions? when you're not spending time reading his word, when you're not spending time putting your faith into action, when you're not spending time just praying to him. And then you go, well, I don't, I don't understand the scriptures. Yeah, I know. Because you don't know. He's saying, you don't know me. This is not to say you have to have it all figured out. 
It's not to say you have to have it all figured out to hear from God because the scriptures are full of people who heard from God that don't have it figured out. In fact, by the end of the day, I hope you understand that it's pretty simple to hear from him. I'm merely stating if your view of God is skewed one way or another, that he's distant, that he's angry, that he's against you, he's not for you, that he's a grandpa figure, or that he's nothing but a disappointment, it's no wonder you're going to have certain things that you don't feel line up with who you are and what you want to achieve. And it's no wonder that you don't hear from him. Too many of us are walking around unsure of who God is. Too many of us are walking around saying, what's he saying? Have I actually ever heard from him? I have no idea what this scripture means. I have no idea what it says. I have no clue what this passage means. I have no idea what God wants me to do or where he wants me to go. So the starting place for you and I today is to have an understanding of who God is. Who he is, that's it. We're going to start with understanding who he is. He's not been silent about it. In fact, he's given us his son, his spirit, and his word to know him and to make him known, to know God and to make him known. Turn with me to Matthew 6. I'm going to jump in. Matthew 6, verse 9, maybe the most familiar passage in all of Scripture, the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus is in the middle of this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, He's given a sermon on a mount, hence the name. I thank you from the School of Redundancy. But he's in the middle of this prayer, and he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And now, depending on the version you read, there's going to be some words that we hit and are a little bit different maybe than what you're used to. Um, I'm using the NIV, but all of them start the same. The two words, our, our, our Father. Our Father, the model prayer Jesus gives us doesn't start with, O holy, exalted, magnificent, worthy, creator God. He could have. All of those things are true. But he starts with our Father because he's ours. It's personal. It's relational. He is ours. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your, your, your. Like, I got to get stuck on that sometimes because it's his will, not my own. Your will be, like, confessing that to God, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Understand, this prayer is first and foremost about his will being done, not our own, not our way, not your way, not your spouse's way, not your kid's way, not your co-worker's way, God's way, his will being done. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And some later versions add in, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We, we've all heard this prayer. We hear this prayer in movies. We've, some of us have grown up saying the prayer, standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down. 
over and over again. Know it backwards and forwards. You know the NIV version, the NLT version, the KJV version, the NKJV version. Like you know all these different versions, but all of them start with our Father. Our Father. And why do I say all this? Because in this prayer, Jesus shows us that we can approach God as our Father, our Dad. As a Father. And maybe this is the first time you're understanding this. But God wants his children, us, to come to him to accomplish his will as a child would do something for the father. Our father. I'm not, I'm not real good at the whole your will be done thing. I'm not real good at putting down my will. And Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm not either. It's one of the reasons we have church. It's one of the reasons we have life group. That's one of the reasons we get together and we point out things. We have tough conversations that say, hey, I see this in your life and it's not God glorifying. And people speaking to me, hey, I see you doing this and it's not God honoring. And we have these tough conversations of saying, why are we doing this? Why are you doing? I didn't even realize I was doing that. I didn't even know that you knew I was doing that thing. I'm not good at putting down my will and picking up someone else's. Yeah, none of us are. Hello? None of us are. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow after me. We have to crucify that personal desire to do what we want and pick up what he wants us to do. And understand that as you journey with God, your my will attitude will shift more and more to his will his ways, and his purposes. Because what you ask for, how you pray, and how you view God is going to transform along with your life. It's going to transform you, but it's also going to transform your life and the things around you. When we approach God as a father, our prayers shift. They go from being religious thing we do, where we close our eyes, and we clasp our hands, and we say things like, Dear Lord, um, if you would just... And uh, if you could just, and uh, if you would, wouldn't mind to just, and uh, bless this food to the nourishment of our body, amen. It's going to move beyond just this moment of passing in time to something sacred, something holy, something that you realize, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to heaven right now. I'm talking to my father right now. My father who created all this. My father who can move mountains. My father who can cause storms to calm. My father who can cease the wind. My father who can heal. My father who wants to hear from me. Where I can be honest and open. I can cry out and I can celebrate. Even when I don't have the words. God wants to hear from me. Paul put it this way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He says to the Roman people, we do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't even know what we're supposed to pray for. Anybody felt that way? Like, I, I, don't, even, I, I don't even know how to pray for this. That's okay. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts, meaning God, knows the mind of the Spirit. So the God and the Spirit are in tune. 
They're one because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. Paul is saying the Spirit is with you, the Spirit is in you, the Spirit is helping you. Even when you don't know what to say, God's Spirit inside of you is saying the things you can't and you don't know how to say. And if you don't know what to do or what to say, that's okay. Trust the Spirit is working inside of you to say those things on your behalf. The Spirit of God knows what to say. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And that's why we can be sure that every detail of our life is conforming and being transformed and moving towards the God who loves us because God works all things together for the good of those who love him. This prayer, this link between heaven and earth is an opportunity for us to realign our thinking and our hearts to what God wants for us more than what we want for ourselves. And that is so difficult in a day and age where everybody is saying, get yours. Just get yours. You do you. You become who you want to become. Our prayers are a step in his direction, carrying out his will. Not my will, not somebody else's, his will. But how do I know I'm hearing from God? God, what do I do? What do I do? I don't, I don't know where to go from here. I'm kind of lost. I feel like I've been praying forever. Flip over to Matthew 7. And let's unpack this together. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. Jesus speaking, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? That's bad parenting. 101, right there, by the way. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What do I do? God, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do anymore. The answer is a simple step with a great promise. Ask, seek, knock. Just ask. God's saying, would you just ask me? Would you just try, stop trying to figure it out on your own? Ask. Come to me and ask me. Ask me again and again and again. Just be willing to come to me and ask me. You don't have to perform or achieve or try to do anything yourself. Just come and ask me. I want you to come and ask me. You don't have to stand off to the side going, hey, look at me, God, look at me. Hey, hey, I'm over here, God. Watch this, God. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you, God. I'm over here. Hey, God. He doesn't want that. He's saying, come and ask me, and it will be given. You don't have to perform for God. You do have to ask. He says, just seek me. Just be willing to seek me at the beginning of a day. Just be willing to seek me at the end of a day and all the space in between. Be willing to seek me when you understand what's going on, when you're uncertain of what's going on, and you have no idea what's going on. Be willing to seek me. 
Be willing to seek me when life is great and you're on a spiritual high, you're on a mountaintop, and it's just like, yeah, woo, greatest day ever, Chick-fil-A. Curly fry in a regular fry order, loving it. You guys know what I'm talking about. I messed up my pizza, but I got two of them. It's a Joey special, and if you know that, we can be friends. Be willing to seek him when you're on the mountaintop or when you find yourself on your bathroom floor, crying your eyes out, rock bottom, completely alone, desperate, and just needing somebody to show you a little value, a little love. He says, seek me when life is great or when life punches you in the mouth. Just seek me and just knock. Just knock and see if I won't answer. Just knock and see if I won't break the chains off of you that have been holding you back your entire life. Just knock and see if I won't open a door that says, look what I can do for you. Look what I've provided. Look who I am for you. Just knock and see if you won't experience me in a completely new, fresh, and revelatory way. Just knock and watch God blow your mind. But Josh, what if I ask and seek and knock and I still don't know if it's God or what if he's not answering? Keep asking. You keep knocking. You keep seeking God. You don't give up on the one who never gave up on you. Too many times we give up because we don't get the answer we want. Because we don't like it. Because God closed the door. Because he said no. And so we just give up on God altogether. You keep going after him. And you expect him to answer because he's a God who's going to give you good things. The language we find in this passage, Steph, can we get chapter 7 back up there? The language we find is when Jesus is saying this, it's not a one-time thing. It's not, God, hey, um, I'm in a jam, and I need you to do this thing. A little pickle here, if you could just help me out. Yep, see the answer. Thanks, God. We'll see you on Sunday, maybe, if I have time for you. That's not the idea. The idea behind this passage is it's continual constantly seeking God, asking God, knocking on God's door, expecting God to do something in your life. Continually asking for provision, asking for his grace. And who doesn't need his grace every single moment of every single hour? Every single one of us do. It's that grace that sustains us, that allows us to have the breath in our lungs to go to him and ask for anything in the first place. It's a grace that reaches down and says, child, I see you on the floor, and I'm going to pick you up. But you got to trust me. There are so many things in motion. There are so many things happening, and I know it, it's terrible, and it's awful, and it, it just, it's not fun. I see you in that trouble. I see you in that circumstance, but you got to trust me. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Jesus goes on. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, 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 will give good gifts to those who ask him? Saying, look, guys, 
Your father's good. Your father knows how to give good gifts. He's not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to be mysterious. And as bad as you are, come on, dads, dads. I'm talking to dads right now. When you first laid eyes on your oldest kid, any dads just go, uh, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, I got one hand, yeah. And when they handed you that kid, uh, somebody get the goo off of this kid. You didn't get it clean. Here, take it back. It's crying, it's making noise, and stuff's coming out of it. Jesus is like, if you is dysfunctional and broken and bad and flying by the seat of your pants, not knowing, having a clue what to do, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, imagine how much better the gifts God has in store for his children. And for some of us, that's where our hang-up is, though, right? Because what comes to mind when we think about God, isn't always great and wonderful. As a father, it's, oh, my dad was a piece of work. My dad wasn't around. And, you know, I've even seen in, in family dynamics where dad is one way to one set of kids and another way to another set of kids, and, and there's a separation even between siblings of, well, what do you mean? Dad was great, and these other siblings are going, no, he, he wasn't. Like, I, I understand that you have this image of our dad, but I have this other one. So even between family members and siblings, brothers and sisters, there's a different view of the same father. And that's really no different than any of us today looking to our father. But that's why it's so important for us to come around the truth of who God is. And correct our thinking on who God is and what he is about and who he is for. That we get off of this hang up. What do I do? Where do I go? How, how am I supposed to trust this God as a father? And for those of you who have that hang up with God as a father, the question on the table for you today is are you willing to take a step towards him? Can you take a step towards God because he's asking you to trust him and he wants to redefine what a father looks like. Are you, are you willing to take a step into the gap and say, God, I'm going to ask because I need to find a place with a father. I need a breakthrough in my life. I need a change. I need a healing from my past. I need a miracle to take place. I need restoration of a marriage or a relationship. I need you. I need a new definition of what a good father looks like, and I need to know I can trust you at your word. I need to know that the voice I'm hearing is your voice. When you cry out, God, what do I do? He's there to respond. He's waiting for you. And Jesus goes on to say, so in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. He's like, it's a simple rule to live by. Whatever you do, simple rule to live by. Whatever you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. Ask what you want people to do for you, 
and then go do it for somebody else. Ask what you want to see in the world, you want to see done in the world, and then go do it. Ask what you need to be for somebody, and then go be that person. Ask what you can do to serve and provide and to find those in need who need provision. For some of us, that means we put down our hurt and our pride and our regret. Some of us, we need to put down that victim mentality and do to others as we would want done to us. Become the person in Christ you needed when you first started asking and seeking and knocking. And you'll embark on a journey to be Jesus to the world. And why do I say this? Because where you needed to hear it, when you were in that moment, when you searched and found, when you knocked and the door was open, when you asked and you received, there's someone out there still waiting, someone in this room still waiting for their miracle. There are people in here who are living without hope, and God has poured hope into you. And you're the answer to their prayer. There's a story of hope being written on every one of our lives, and too many of us keep it quiet. Too many of us hold back when JoJo right next to us is crying out, I just need somebody to tell me that I can make it through this, that there's life on the other side of this, that I can breathe again someday, that this weight I'm feeling is going to be lifted. They're asking and they're seeking and they're knocking, but they need someone to come along and say to them what I'm saying to you. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Tim, if you want to jump on the keys, going to land this thing with three points and a couple scriptures and hopefully some practical steps on how to answer the question, God, what do I do? And to be honest, I've already given you the answers. I've already given you the three points. The first thing we can do when we're asking God, what do I do is ask him. Just ask him, Lord, is this you? And we do that through prayer. Remember, God's not in the business of being mysterious or vague or obscure. God wants you to know him and to follow his voice. Why would God hide it from you? God, is this you? Is this your voice I'm hearing? Is this your pressing I'm feeling? Paul says it this way, the Lord is near. Philippians 4, 5 and 7. Hello. The Lord is near. Is this you? I'm near to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. The Lord is near. Reach out to him. The Lord cares for you. Reach out to him. Ask. Feeling anxious about a move or a situation or something you feel like he's called you to? Guess what? Cast that anxiety on him. Cast that uncertainty on him. He, does, he wants it. He's calling us to give it to him. Make your request known to God. What do you want? What are you desiring? 
Make it known to God. And don't, don't rely on a feeling of peace in your heart to dictate the move you make to or from God. What do I mean? I've heard so many people, God places something in their lives or they've, they've been given a desire or a dream and they don't pursue it because they, oh, I don't have a peace about it. You know, I, I thought God was speaking to me and to go and do this thing, but I, you know, I don't have a peace about it. Do you think Moses had a peace about going to Pharaoh? going to him and say, hey, you know all that free labor you have? Like, four million people? I'm going to need you to let them go. I'm going to need you to set the Israelites free, the Hebrew people free. I know it's going to wreck your economy and everything is just going to go your kingdom's going to fall, but God sent me on a mission and he's told me to tell you, you got to let them go. You think Peter had peace when Jesus said, hey, Peter, come out on the water with me. It's awesome. And Peter's like, yeah, you're kidding, right? Like, this is liquid. I will fall and sink straight to the bottom. I can't swim. I don't have a life vest on. Like, you think he had a peace about that? You think when Paul before his conversion, when he was murdering Christians, and he's hit by a light from God, and he experiences transformation, but his reputation has gone before him. And while he's been converted, this murderer of Christians, God speaks to a man named Ananias and says, Ananias, I need you to go to this man named Paul who's known for murdering my people. You think Ananias had a peace about going to Paul? No, not at all. In fact, Ananias is like, you're serious, right? Peace is not a meter. You think Jesus going to the cross had peace about it? Yeah, he says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. But there is not peace in your life when you're bleeding drops of blood. And Jesus' prayer was not... Yep, God, I'll go and do it. It was, take this cup from me. If there's another way, I would love to hear about it, but not my will, but yours. Peace is not a metric for whether or not you should move in the direction of what God is calling you to. There'll be peace in that moment, but the peace comes from the presence of the person of Jesus. Not a feeling that we have not something that we have resolved to just, oh, you know, I feel pretty good about that. I think I'll do it. We don't put peace on a pedestal. We don't put our feelings on a pedestal. We worship Jesus. The second thing we can do when we're asking God, what do I do, is we can seek him in the scriptures. We can read God's word. We can read our Bible. People, it's 2019. 95% of you Have a smartphone. Download the app. We live in a country that allows us to have one of these. Get into your word. Read your Bible. Josh, it can't be that simple. It's that simple. But the Bible can be intimidating. Yeah, I know. Isn't it great? 
Isn't it great that the Bible can be intimidating? Isn't it great that it's not a trifold pamphlet that we were handed and that we can memorize and we completely understand? Isn't it great that it's rich with history and context and it was written in a different language and there's all sorts of stuff that we don't get but we trust anyway? Isn't that great that there's a God who we don't fully comprehend? Isn't it great? Embrace it. Rejoice that God is bigger than your mind can fathom. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to hear from God, know the word of God. If you want to do the work of God, know the word of God. His word gives us insight to what he sounds like. You're going to know him. You're going to know his voice when you know his word. And his word equips us to do the work he's calling us to do. And the third thing we can do when we're asking God, what do I do? Is knock on a door. Go knock on a door. What do I mean by knock on a door? Find someone who's on the journey of following Jesus that they're a couple steps in front of you. They don't have to have it figured out. They don't have to have all the answers. But the model of discipleship that Jesus gives us in the scripture is that you find someone who's a little bit further along than you and you go and knock on the door and you say, hey, you mind if we talk about God? I see you following Jesus. And I admire it. I just, I'd like for you to pour into me a little bit. I'd like to know what you know. It doesn't have to be a friend. It doesn't even have to be someone you know. And honestly, some of you need to go find a new door to knock on because the doors you've been knocking on are toxic. You have friends in your life that you need to cut ties with because they're not leading you down a path of righteousness. They're not leading you closer to God. They're pulling you further away and saying, hey, no, you get yours, man. You look out for you. You do your thing. And God's just standing right where you left him going, I'm here when you're ready to return. When you're ready to ask me, I'll be here. When you're ready to seek me, I'll be here. When you're ready to knock, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be willing to open the floodgates of all of my grace and all of my mercy and pour it out on you. Find someone. They are asking and seeking and knocking. Someone who is in the process and the transformation is evident in their life. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Nobody wants to be a fool. Don't want to be a fool? Listen to advice. 19, 20, and 21, listen to advice and accept discipline. In the real world, that looks like tough conversations. That looks like setting down and going, Neither one of us have it figured out. But I want to speak some life into you. But I also want to kind of tell you how you've been coming across. We all need people in our life who will speak truth and love, the punch and the hug. Because the spirit in us is also in them. So we have the ability to seek wise counsel from our brothers and our sisters 
We need each other. We need to count on each other for counsel and good advice, but we can't do any of that if we aren't asking ourselves for ourselves, if we aren't seeking and we aren't knocking for ourselves. I can't trust myself to give you sound counsel and advice to lead you in the way of righteousness to show you who Jesus is if I'm not seeking him out myself. The invitation has been made and he's made it pretty simple for all of us. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. And there is no greater proof of this than the cross. There's no greater proof that God wants us to ask and seek and find him than the cross where Jesus was crucified and took on the sins of you and me, paid our punishment so that we could ask, we could seek, and we could knock. That cross opened the door of heaven and said, hey, I want to hear from you. Are you hearing from me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Do you see my cross? Do you see what I'm willing to do? Do you see the, the, the depths and the, the, the distance I'm willing to go for you? It's a simple truth. We can see to know he's accepted us and he wants to hear from us. And if he wants to hear from us, he must have something more to say to us. So go on and ask whatever it is. You may think it is the most ridiculous thing that God wouldn't waste his time listening. Ask. Go on and seek him. Fall in love with him. Discover who he is. And knock. Knock on his door and watch him open it up. Watch him open up to you and to me. I hope you can see that God wants to hear from you. Your Father in heaven wants to hear from you. And I hope you find you're someone special to God. You're valued by God. You're important to God. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.